the word father is really such a powerful word. It just has two syllables, but in it we see really the beginning of our life, the source of our identity, the source of our security, our purpose. You know, everything is there in that word father because even that's the word we choose to call God with. And so I just want to encourage all the fathers that your role in your family, no one can replace. And just as Sister Jean prayed, that we'd be reconciled to the Father as sons and daughters of God. I also pray that you will be reconciled to that image of a Father which you need to accept in your heart. Jesus came for the purpose of reconciling all those that were lost, all of us, back to the Father. So the purpose of Jesus coming is not only that we will go to heaven. It's not only that our sins will be forgiven, but that we would be reconciled back to the Father. We would go back to the beginning. The beginning in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve had tremendous oneness with the Father. That we would go back to the beginning and know Him as Father. And so even in every Christian family, it's important to go back to the beginning. That means the father must first accept his role as the father. Be reconciled to God's purpose in your life that you are called to be father. Don't just be a brother. Don't just be who you are. But be a father. And when you are reconciled, you accept that role. You accept the responsibility. You accept that identity. And it comes out of your relationship with the Heavenly Father. Then you will begin to see the fullness of God's blessing in your family. Because God created the man first. And when God brought Eve to Adam, the Bible says, The man shall leave his father and mother. And cleave to his wife. The man shall leave. That means everything begins with the man. The family begins with the man. The blessing of the family begins with the man. The identity of the children begins with the man. The security that the children will have in their life for their future. It begins with the man. Not with the mother. In our society usually we transfer the spiritual responsibility to the mother. And we take on the men, the financial responsibility. And that is wonderful. There's nothing wrong with that. But more important than the financial responsibility is the spiritual responsibility. Because that is where it all begins. And that rests on the shoulder of the man. And it is not as if you cannot shoulder that responsibility. Because many men, they are fearful of that. They want to shirk away from that responsibility but I tell you if you are a father you have given birth to children by default it has been released into your life God's grace is there upon you to be the spiritual head of the home amen and even if you will just tentatively maybe with fear and trembling maybe with ignorance step into that role you will just begin to see an increase of God's favor and grace and blessing and protection and preservation upon your family. Amen. So I encourage you to do that.
All right? Later on, I may have all the fathers up here in the front. And we're going to pray for everyone in the church. So, just want to forewarn you. And please don't leave before the service is over, all the fathers. <laughs> all right. Turn to me in your Bible to Luke chapter 15. My wife and I just got back from a really, really amazing vacation. After the Bible school, we wanted to take a short break. And we were not ready for how our Heavenly Father wanted to lavish His favor upon us. But we had just the most amazing vacation of our lives where we were in a resort and we stayed in a villa all by ourselves. And the most amazing thing was that it was all paid for. We had chefs cooking for us every night personally. It was an amazing vacation. And every time I was there, I was just giving thanks to the Father for His lavish love upon us. And the Father was reminding me, if friends, natural friends here on the earth could love you this much, how much more your Heavenly Father? Amen. And the Lord was reminding me about His lavish love. That the love that we will experience here on the earth through friends who really love us cannot compare with His love. And that all of us should have our eyes on the Father and expect the best that He has for us and really live with His freedom in our heart. That Father is not withholding from us. Father is not denying from us. But Father really wants to give the best to us. But we just have to come in His ways. In line with Him. And that's what I'm going to be sharing about also this morning. Luke chapter 15. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. The tax collectors, the sinners, they came near to Jesus. Something is amazing here. Because tax collectors and sinners are not attracted to religion. But here they're attracted to Jesus. And the Pharisees and scribes complained saying... This man receives sinners and eats with them. And so he spoke this parable to them. And at that point, Jesus gives us three parables. The first parable is of the shepherd who has a hundred sheep, but he loses one. And so he leaves the 99 and risks his life to go and look for that one and bring him back on his shoulders, rejoicing that he's found. The second parable is of a woman who loses one of his her silver coins. Now these are not the normal coins that we have today. 5 rupee, 10 rupee coins. These are coins that are of tremendous value because they represent her marriage. These are coins, drachma, which are worn by women as a sign of their engagement and also as a sign that they are married. So these are coins that represent tremendous value to her and she loses it. And the Bible says she searches and seeks the entire house till she finds it. Now the shepherd and the woman is also a type of Jesus, a type of God who will seek for what is lost. And then he shares the parable of the lost son. A rich man, a wealthy man had two sons. One of them comes to his father and says, give me my inheritance. The father gives him his inheritance. He goes out, wastes all of it in prodigal living. And finally, He's so desperate that he's actually in a pigsty having to earn his living. And it is here that he comes to his senses. The Bible says in verse 17, when he comes to himself, that means he came to a revelation 
of his father's love. Earlier he may have thought that his father was one who wanted to deny him his rights and privileges. And maybe the father was waiting till the son was mature. But the son wanted to take ahead of his time. So he may have thought that his father was one that was strict, that was rigid, that did not want to give to him. But he says that he came to himself and he realized that even the servants in this father's house have enough to eat. He realized that the father is a good father. Not the one that he had imagined. Now that's a very powerful statement when he comes to himself. I came to my census 1996 in Singapore when I realized that God is a really good God. Jesus is a really good Savior. And this is not religion that saves us. A religious system cannot give us life. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I came to my senses and I realized everything that I was pursuing, pleasure and wealth and recognition and the love of the world was emptiness. I pray that many of you this morning will also come to your senses today and realize that we have a good heavenly father. Can you say amen? Amen. So let's pick up the story here. In verse 20. So the son arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the father said to him, and the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Now this is called, in many of your Bibles, the prodigal of the lost sons. But this should really be entitled the prodigal of the father. Because this parable really shares to us, Jesus is telling us here what our heavenly father is like. And he's telling us here how he feels towards us as a father would feel towards his children, irrespective of how wasteful your children have been. Their children have been. Wasteful in terms of wasting God's talents, God's abilities. Maybe be feeling, some of us here, I've wasted my life, I've wasted my years. But irrespective of how wasteful we may have been, is a testimony of how God looks at us and feels about us today. Amen. And I want you to receive this with an open heart. Because every time we teach on the love of the Heavenly Father, we always sense the powerful, sweet presence of God ministering into the hearts of the people. It is not just theory. It is a real experience of His love that is ministered by the Holy Spirit. When we were having the Bible school last month, the majority of the students testified that the t 
teaching of the Father's love brought tremendous breakthrough in their lives. It set them free from insecurity. It set them free from fear. It set them free from a slavish fear towards God and brought them into the liberty where they were able to enjoy God as their father and they stepped into the position as sons and daughters of God. Amen. And I'm sharing this because I'm expecting the same today. That many of you will be brought into that position and into that experience this morning. Amen. Now the opening of the chapter. The Bible says that the tax collectors and the sinners, they drew near to Jesus. But the Pharisees, the Sadducees, who represented the religious system, were also there. And they did not like it. The fact that all the sinners drew around to Jesus, because they felt all of these people are not like us, not holy like us, not religious like us. Why is Jesus spending so much time? Why is Jesus loving them today? So here we see the difference between religious systems and true religion. Now the tax collectors and the sinners are not like the tax collectors of today. Because today all respectable young men and women want to be tax collectors. Be part of the income tax service. But in those days, they were regarded as the worst of the society. They were regarded as the traitors of the society. They were basically extortioners, gangsters, who were extorting their own people on behalf of the foreign rulers. So the religious system had no place for them, and they themselves had no desire to be close to the religious system. See, Religion will always separate sinners from God. But here we see Jesus coming with the love of God, with the love of the Father. And even though Jesus was absolutely holy, absolutely righteous, perfectly perfect in His personal holiness, yet all the sinners are attracted to Him like bees to the honey. Why? True religion will always attract sinners. If our true religion we feel should have no place for the broken, the lost, those who are fatherless, those who are divorced, those who are the worst in the society and they should have no place in our church, then all we have is a religious system. True religion has room for the worst, the broken, the lost, the outcast. True religion attracts those people. Why? True religion is always a reflection of the heart of the Father. And that's what Jesus came. Jesus came to first, number one, save and seek the lost by dying on the cross for our sins. But Jesus also said everywhere he went, I have come to show the Father. And in this parable, Jesus is really revealing to us the heart of the Father. And I want to see four things here this morning that reveals to us the heart of the Father. And therein is also a response for us. Number one, the first thing that Jesus shows us in this story is that the Father never loses hope. The Father never loses hope. Now all of us have hope, but did you also know that God has hope for you? In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 8, if you can turn there, 
in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18, I'm sorry. Paul is praying for the believers in Ephesus that the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened and that they may know what is the hope of his calling. That they may know the hope of the Father for them. That's what Paul prayed. Have you ever had a father or a mother who had great hopes for you? Um, amen. I did. And I'm grateful for that. But did you know that some have parents that have no hope for them? In fact, some have parents who wish they were not born. And the entire life they live with that sense of rejection. Or some have parents whose hopes are too high for them. Whatever they do is not good enough for their parents. They get 70%, their parents are not happy. They get 80%, the parents say you should have got 90. They try to go out and earn a living, but the parents are not happy that they are not officers. They are not IAS officers. They are not ESEs. Because they are always wanting more than what the children can give. And therein is also a sense of rejection. Too high hopes will release a sense of rejection to those children. But some of us had warm, supportive parents and their hope was released in our hearts and it encouraged us because when we failed, when we were at the lowest, when they said, I still believe in you, it released great courage in our lives. Amen. See, the amazing thing about this story is this. That when the son had done everything against the father's hopes and against the father's wishes. And when the son had wasted all the inheritance and ended up as a failure, the father still does not lose hope in the son. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. And there's the message for us today. All of us should be jumping and shouting right now. That your heavenly father in heaven will never give up on you. He will never lose hope on you. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Regardless of anything you have been, whatever you have not done, that you could not do, that you could not achieve, the good things that you could not fulfill, the promises to God that we could not keep, that we could not accomplish, the good person we could not become. All of that, regardless of that, many Christians, by the time that they are in the middle age, they have regrets for wasted life and wasted years and wasted talents that I could not use it for God. Regardless of all of that, I want you to tell you this morning, God doesn't stop caring about you. Amen. Hallelujah. He never loses his vision. His plan for what he created you for. He never gives up on his original idea for your life. And if you and I will only give him space and time and willingness in our heart, God can create something new out of your life even today. Even when you feel like everything has been wasted, did you know that God created the universes out of nothing? 
out of nothing. He did not go to the marketplace to buy some brick and to buy some sand. No, he created everything out of nothing. Do you know what? He can recreate your life out of nothing. You may feel like, but I have nothing to give to God. I have no more years. I have no money. I have no talents. Wonderful. That's a good place to be in because sometimes we depend too much on our own abilities. We depend too much on our own talents. But when you come to a place where you feel like you are nothing, then God can be everything in that space. Hallelujah. See, God is creator. He can recreate your life, your destiny, and give purpose back into your life today if only you will come to your senses and give Him space. Amen. Hallelujah. Can we say praise the Lord for that? The second thing that He shows us about the Father is this. And it's in verse 9, verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, the Bible says, the father saw him. This is what the father feels about you. He is always looking towards you. When we have songs with the kingdom kids and they're all lined up here. And if you were to look at the parents, the parents see only their children. Their eyes are only upon their children. Now all of them look beautiful. All of them look wonderful. But the parents' eyes see their children as the most beautiful. Amen. Hallelujah. And that's why when we have children events, our attendance also increases. Why? Because everybody wants to come and see their children. Amen. This is how your father feels about you. His eyes are always on us. Every day. See, many people think of God having eyes of the other type. Waiting for you to sin. Waiting for you to do something wrong so that the lightning of his curse will come upon you. And we expect that many times. But that expectation really is your own sense of shame, your own sense of guilt for what you are doing or what you have done. And that sense of alienation you feel within you is not from God. That sense of alienation you feel within you is from your own thoughts and your own conscience. But it is not from God because the father is always looking to see when will my son come back home. When will my son realize I'm a good father? Amen. See, the Bible says when he was a great way off, when the son was a great way off, the father saw him and the father ran. The son did not run. The father ran. See, when we look at the cross, we see the picture of a God who runs to come and save us, who runs to forgive us of our sins. Even before we asked, He sent His Son to die on the cross for our sins. Even before we did any righteous works, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Can you say Amen? Amen. This means in this story, the Father had been watching every day. 
the Father had always been watching for him on the horizon. Amen. The heart of God never stops waiting for us. The heart of our Heavenly Father never stops looking for us every day. This is not God the beggar. Because sometimes we don't want to be texting everyone every day. No? What are you doing today? Can I spend some time with you today? And your friend will say, why is my friend so desperate? Begging always for my time, you know. We think that God is like that. No, this is not God the beggar. This is God our eternal lover. Amen. Hallelujah. This is God our Father. He's always reaching out towards us every day. And asking us to come home. Home is in the presence of His love. The third thing that we see here. When the sun comes, verse 21, the sun says to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. We see here that the sun comes with repentance. And this cannot be bypassed in this story because the father's heart responds to this repentance. But we must understand this properly. The father is not demanding that the son apologize. There's a difference between repenting under the law and repenting in grace. The father is not demanding that the son apologize profusely on his knees for acceptance. The father is glad that the son is coming and even before the son repents. The father runs to him and kisses him. Amen. But when the son repents and he says, all of the things that I have experienced, it is not your fault. It is by my own choices. It is by my own decisions. The father is glad. And the father is able to release greater favor into his life. Amen. See, a lot of people live with this thought. If there is a God, why did these things happen to me? If God is a good God, why did God allow this in my life? Why did God allow me to fail in the exams? Well, the question is, did you study? Because a lot of times, people don't study and then they call me up before the results and they say, Pastor, I need emergency prayer. So actually what you're saying is, Pastor, can God cheat on my behalf? That even though I didn't study well, He will blind the eyes of the examiner and give me 50 when I actually studied only for 20. I wrote the papers only for 20 marks. Amen. And then after they fail, they blame God. They may have been serving as ushers. They may have been serving in some capacity. And after they fail, maybe sometimes we have this pain towards God. Why did God allow this? Amen. Did you know that God gets blamed every day for things he has not done? Some of the times it's the devil who does it. Some of the times it's us who does it. But many times Christians blame God for the things they don't want to accept responsibility for. And that is the point where we need to awaken. 
Because the son came to himself when he decided everything that is happening in my life is because of my own decision. When you come to your senses, you are taking responsibility for your own life. You are saying, it is my choices that has brought me to this place. I'm going to go back to my father's house. So when the son says that, I have sinned in your sight. That is the point of repentance. That is how we repent in grace. It is not that God is demanding. You see, when the son was far away, the father is not drumming his fingers on the windowsills and saying, good, good. The the father is not saying, okay, now you're coming. Beg a little bit. Crawl a little bit. Go into your room and be quiet a little bit and sweat a little bit. That's not what the father is saying. That's what I would have done. That's what many of us would do to our own children. But the father accepted him lavishly. And that acceptance triggers deep repentance where he acknowledges that he has sinned. Amen. See, repentance is turning away from your own way to accept God's way. It is not just a change of your mind. It is turning away from your own way to accepting God's ways. Repentance is saying, Lord, I want to turn away from my own thoughts, my own beliefs, my own ways, and line up with your beliefs, your thoughts, and your ways. It is recognizing that God's ways are the best for me. It is recognizing that our safety, our protection, and our best is only in God's way and not in our way. And repentance will ultimately bring us to obedience. So a lot of Christians know a lot of doctrines. They know a lot of knowledge about God, but we don't see repentance or obedience in their lives. A lot of Christians have a lot of sermon knowledge, but lack of obedience. We still think we can get it done our own way. Our own way. And I'm not talking about sinning out there in the world. I'm not talking about drinking and committing adultery out there. I'm talking about people in church with all the talents and gifts. And still not repenting from our own ways. Not repenting from our own ideas. Not coming into obedience completely under the hand of God. Amen. Hallelujah. When we come to the Lord's will and aligns our will with Him, it opens the way for the Lord who already loves us the way we are. But it opens the way for Him to release His potential, His favor, and His blessing on His terms. Because you must understand this. God's favor, God's blessings are always on His terms, not our terms. If it was our terms, it would not be grace. It would be lawlessness. Amen. See, God is not saying, your heavenly father is not saying, I will not love you unless you come on my terms. He's not saying that. Because the father in this picture is already loving the son. Amen. Unconditionally. Hallelujah. 
But the Father is saying, for me to release into your life who you can become, what blessings you can have, what promotion you can walk into, I need you to come in my way. Even though I love you. Can you say Amen? And when the son does that, look at what happens. Verse 22. Bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hands and sandals on his feet. And this is where we need to balance grace or understand grace. I don't want to say balance because sometimes we have a wrong notion about the word balance, but understand grace. That it is not just saying God loves me, God accepts me the way I am. And I will do life my own way and still expect His favor and His blessings. No. Grace gives us an entrance into His throne of grace so that we can actually hear from Him. Listen to His plans for us. And when we submit to that and accept it, God releases more grace, more favor, more blessings. It's always on His terms, not our terms. But it's always by grace again. Amen. So the father gives his son the following. Number one, a robe. A new robe. This talks about a restoration of identity. When he left the father's house, he lost his identity. When he comes back, the father restores a new identity. He takes away the shame of the past. He takes away the nakedness of his own disobedience and he robes him with a new robe of dignity and stature in the house again so that all the servants and all the neighbors would look at this son this prodigal son with respect again takes away the shame gives him dignity takes away the scar and clothes him in his love and clothes him in a new identity clothes him in glory and that's what the Father wants to do to all of us this morning. He wants to take away the robes of shame that you are carrying. Some of you identify yourself with the scars of your past. Some of you identify yourself with the failures of your life. And you're wearing that robe of shame. You're wearing that robe of pain. But the Father is saying to you today, let it go. He wants to give you a new robe of His identity. A new robe of glory, dignity, and it comes from his love. Secondly, the father gives the son a ring. This talks about authority. That he is now an heir of the house again. And now he is filled with purpose again. Hallelujah. The father is saying through the words of Jesus, if you will come back to me, if you will come to me, to see me as your heavenly father, come back from your own ways. I will restore in your life this true spiritual authority I want you to have. I will restore in your life purpose that I had in mind for you when I created you. And I will partner with you as my co-heir so that your purpose will be fulfilled here on this earth in this lifetime in my authority. That is what God is saying to us today. 
We cannot fulfill God's purpose in our lives without being with the Father in His house. First, in relationship with Him, but also it means in relationship with the body of Christ, with the church where you are. I was talking with a brother yesterday who had been posted outside and he was sharing about how being away from the church for a month or two, he begins to feel dry. He begins to sense the pull of the world on him. And he's a strong believer. See, being in the Father's house is not only being in relationship with Him, it is also being in the church. Why? This is the Father's house. Can you say amen? This is the Father's house. And your spiritual life will always be connected to a strong local church and your destiny and your purpose in life will always be connected to a church that if you are a part of the church, there's always a release of life and strength and purpose into you. When you come to the Sunday services, when you come to the prayer meetings, there's always something in your spirit that you are being edified with and every deposit is really for your destiny. It is not as if you are so busy that we just wait for the special events. No, I'm telling you, every time you come to the house of God, there's something deposited in your spirit which is propelling you in your destiny. Can you say amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'll see you on Wednesday. Amen, I'll see you next Sunday. Amen, I tell you, being connected in the Father's house is critical to your destiny, your purpose. Amen. So the Father gave His Son shoes. This represents a reinstatement of His standing in the house. His standing in the house. Obviously, He came without shoes. He lost His standing. He's stained. He's dirty. He's carrying the dirt of the pigsty, his sins, his mistakes. He has lost a lot. But the father gives him shoes so that he is now back in the same position again. So when we come back to the father, he takes away by the blood of his son. So you must understand that the father loves us, but he is not careless about sin. Amen. He loves us with an unconditional love. And because he did that, he had to deal with sin. And so it happened by the sacrifice of his own son. He's not careless about it. He's absolutely serious about it. And he deals with the stains of our life, of our past, by the sacrifice of his son. So that we are reinstated. Yes, even as Christians, we can lose a sense of that when we backslide, when we leave the church, when we leave our fellowship with the Father. But when we come back to Him, that sense, that understanding, that faith is restored and our hearts are filled with peace and comfort and joy again. Because shoes also represent peace. Can you say Amen? So can you see what Jesus is saying here? He's saying, this is who your Father is like. This is how your father feels about you today. He's always wanting to restore dignity in your life. He's always wanting to restore authority and purpose in your life. He's always wanting to give you a standing and a position that will always fill you with peace and joy and comfort before him. And for that purpose, he's always looking to see when is this son coming back? 
is always, always having high hopes, true hopes, believing in each and every one of us. Amen. This is the heart of the Father. And Jesus gives us this parable so that we can now relate back to God through this story. Because it should change. This story should change. Number one, how we look to God. Do you see God as an angry, judgmental God ready to punish you for every little mistake? Or do you see Him as a loving Father, forgiving Father, patient Father? A Father that has hopes for you no matter how you have wasted your life. This story must change the way you see your father. Number two, it should change the way you see yourself. How do you see yourself? Rested life, rested talents, rested gifts? No. No matter where you are, how old you are, there is still hope for you. Can you say amen? God can recreate your life again. Hallelujah. Moses started again when he was 80. None of you are 80. Some of you may feel like you're 80. You need to change that feeling. Amen. God can start something amazing when you give your life to Him today. Amen. This should also change the way fathers, mothers, how you relate to your children. It should change the way you father. It should change the way you lead your own family. Because God is showing us here how He relates to us, His children, and is also teaching us how He wants us to be towards our own children. Amen. Towards the children we influence. For example, all of you are in a sense my spiritual children. Even though I'm younger than many of you. Amen. And so many of you also have spiritual children. If you are a leader in any capacity, you have spiritual children. God wants you to influence them in that same way. It's always with grace and truth. Yes, we love you all unconditionally. But there are things we can do in your life. There are things we can bless you only when you also get in line with the ways of God. Amen. Hallelujah. See, every time I minister on this truth, people come up to me and share how liberated they have been, how delivered they have been from fear, low self-esteem, from depression. Because really, if we look at it, all of us are looking for the Father's approval. We are looking for the Father's love. Because it began in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned. And because of that, they had to be cast out of the Garden of Eden. And they could not go back into that place where they experienced so much love, so much acceptance, so much belonging, so much comfort. It was in the presence of God, but they had to be cast out. From that, we see the roots of rejection that people feel in their hearts everywhere. Do you know that you can be in a room full of people who love you and still feel rejected? Ever felt that? 
And sometimes we blame those people around us for the rejection that we feel. But do you know the root of that rejection is really in the Garden of Eden when God had to banish men, not because he hated men, but because of his love for men. Because he could not allow Adam and Eve to eat from the tree of life and be perpetually in sin. But that banishment, that sense of rejection, every human being is born with because of sin in our hearts. Now, the answer to that root of rejection is really coming back to the Father's house. Knowing how much the Father loves you. Let me tell you this. Every father is also looking for love. Many times we look at fathers as if they're strong pillars. They should be strong all the time. They should be a mountain all the time when everything around them is like a sea. But deep in every father's heart, first, he was also a son, a brother. And we're also human beings. We fail, we lack in many areas. And deep in the hearts, every father also needs to know the love of a father. Now, in some ways, naturally, it's difficult because our own fathers are not here. Or our own fathers did not have this knowledge themselves and they could not love us the way that we see in the scriptures. So we have tough love, tough naga love. Tough naga love is like, you know, why can't you be like your cousins? Tough naga love is like sometimes calling your children loser, you're a dog. So that they will get angry and not become a dog. (laughs) They will get angry and not be a loser. But that's tough. Maybe we have received that. And that's why we may be bringing up our children. But just as the heavenly father in the beginning of Jesus' ministry spoke words at his baptism in Jordan. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That words... Released into the heart of Jesus. The love of the Father. And he carried the love of the Father in his heart. And that is how he went and conquered sin on the cross. Hallelujah. Amen. Love is the food that causes all of us to go out and conquer the world. And how... Does the Father put His love for you in your heart? It's by words. The words of Jesus here. It's the words that come first. And when you believe the words, you will experience the power and that feeling in your heart. A pastor was telling me, Pastor, I never knew this about God. Because I thought God was all about performance and ministry and works only. But now I understand that he's first and foremost a loving father. So this Father's Day, may we also come back home to the Father's love. I want to pray first of all for all the Father. Can you kindly stand to your feet? And when I pray this prayer, I want to pray. As representing the Heavenly Father. And I believe this. That as I pray over you. 
I will be releasing the love of the Father for you through words. And I really encourage you to listen to these words and receive in your heart how much your heavenly Father loves you. Hallelujah. You can just stretch forth your hands and receive as I pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, <clears throat> I bring each and every one of these fathers before you. And Father, I declare over their lives that you are the heavenly father. That even before they were formed in their mother's womb, you knew them, you loved them, and you had a purpose for them. Father, right now, I declare your word over all of these sons. That they are your beloved sons. And in them, you are well pleased, O Lord. Father, I declare your word over them. That they are forgiven, they are blessed, they are accepted and not rejected anymore. That they are strong and they are courageous. And you have released great grace upon them to be fathers and husbands, men of God, men of courage, men of integrity, men of faith. Father, I declare your love for them. That no matter how their life has been, how wasteful they think they have been, how many mistakes and failures they have done in their lives, or no matter how much they have accomplished, Father, I declare your love for them, that you love them with an unconditional love. Even before they succeeded, you loved them. Even before they failed, you loved them. Despite all their failures and wastefulness, you have hope for them, O oh Lord. And despite all their successes, you still have more for them. And your love for them is unconditional. Father, I pray that as they come into the knowledge of your love for them and as they accept this love, that today you will release the ring of authority into their life. That they will not only see themselves as bread earners, but they will see themselves as fathers, as priests, as kings of their home, prophets of their home. And they will have authority and purpose in the lifetime here on the earth. To bring up their family in the knowledge of God. Father, I pray over all these fathers that you will clothe them with the robes of dignity and glory. Taking away every shame and insecurity. And giving them that status, that privilege in the house of God. Carrying your name. And Father, I pray that you will put shoes, shoes of a new standing with you. Removing the stain of the past. Removing the dirt of their past, O oh Lord. And causing them to stand before you without shame. Without shame. In peace and joy and righteousness. And that they will know, each and every one of them. That it is not by their performance or their own ability. But by the grace of your Son. And their willingness that you are doing this in their lives. In Jesus name. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. 
Just bow our heads and close our eyes, everyone now. How many of you here, you are yet to know your Heavenly Father? You are yet to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? How many of you say, I'm like this prodigal son? And as you were hearing the message, something tugged on your heart and spoke to you. Repent from your own ways and come back to the Father's ways. If you are like that, I want you to respond today in prayer. Don't just hear the Word of God. Respond to it and receive the power that's in the Word. So this morning, if you want to repent from your own ways, and you want to come back to the Father's ways. If you want to say, Lord, I want to know God as my Father today. Would you raise your hand right now? Yes. Thank you. Anyone else? Up there in the balcony? Yes. Yes. Anyone else? If that is your heart, you want to come back to the Father. Or you want to come for the first time to know God as your Father. Would you raise your hand? Yes. Anyone else? Anyone else? We'll wait for you today. Hallelujah. Everyone that has raised your hand, will you kindly stand to your feet? Hallelujah. I'm going to pray for all of you that are standing. I want you to raise your hands as I pray for you right now. I want you to just repeat after me in prayer. But I want you to pray with all your heart. Alright? Wherever you are standing, repeat after me. Church, let's help them. Say this after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus, trusting your word that whoever comes to you, whoever calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. Father, I come to you today acknowledging that Jesus is my Lord. He died on the cross for my sins and I'm a sinner without him. I acknowledge that you are my true father. And right now, I ask, that you will save me from my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. And release into my heart the spirit of sonship. So that from this day forth, I call you my father. And I know you as my father. I choose to repent from my own ways. From this day forth. And I choose to accept your ways. And I ask Lord God. That you will cause me to walk with you from this day forth. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you have been blessed through this podcast, we invite you to partner with us in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ from Nagaland to the nations. We make all our series available for free, but it does cost us time, effort, and money to do it. So the support of people such as you will enable us to reach more people in more regions. Remember, when you give, the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 9.8 that God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you, always having all sufficiency, all things, may have an abundance of every good work. If you would like to support our media ministry on a monthly basis or through a one-time gift, kindly write to us at faithharvestnagaland at gmail.com and visit our website www.faithharvest.in and you can go to the giving section. 
you can also give through this UPI ID 700 at Paytm. God bless you and thank you so much for your generosity.